0: i don't think you know where to podcast if you didn't flap your mouth so much yes i think you're stupid kiss kiss bang bang coming up next
1: haven't seen it with tim Sestito and tommy Tevenay. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time. And I believe that's both of us, Tommy. Have you seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang before? No, this is my first time either. So uh,
0: great to dive in this Shane Black.
1: <laughs> and and we also are not alone today. We have our friends from the Film Trace podcast. I know I was on a podcast last year where we did The Hunt and we did... Um, I have it written down and I can't remember off the top of my head. We did the uh, and Michael Clayton, Michael, Michael Clayton. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Tommy, I know you were on for Mad Max, right? Yeah. Mad Max and the purge. Uh, one of those movies was
0: amazing. And one of those was trash. <laughs> you, you figure out which one's which. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, so Chris and Dan are hosts of the film trace podcast. They're currently in their future Wars cycle and just did James Cameron's Terminator versus the, the versus aliens. Two all-time classics. So Dan, Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on here. Um, what is your guys' relationship with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Is this your first time seeing it as well? Or
2: Chris, you go ahead. I think you've seen this before, haven't you, Chris? No, no, I've seen I've seen bits and pieces. What me too? Yeah. So, <laughs> so this is like the first time for everybody. Yeah, we're yeah, all going that's in blind. <laughs> <So> <laughs> we're <laughs> we're and all it's... going in
3: blind. It's especially strange because I think Dan, you and I both did an episode on the nice guys and had probably seen that movie at least half a dozen times oh at least dozen! it's one of my favorite movies of that decade last decade, right so. and and of course we've all seen lethal weapon right and mm-hmm. iron man 3 mm-hmm. so it's it's sure. very strange that all four of us somehow missed the entirety of kiss kiss bang bang in 2005
0: yeah, his first director of tour debut. So, um, I tried showing the nice guys to my mom during Thanksgiving. Did not go over well. So, uh, Ooh, wouldn't man. suggest
1: that for Thanksgiving. <laughs> was it like? Was it like the dead porn star in the first like five seconds of the movie? Just she kind of uh, like uh, kind of took her took, her, out, her took the wind out of her
0: sails, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'll be honest. I did not remember that scene. Uh, the movie opened up with that scene when I suggested this movie off Netflix. uh Where but he's just looking
1: it's... at Playboy of like Miss March or whoever, and then she just is dead in his living room. Yeah, I, I think we lasted thirty around. minutes.
0: We lasted 30 minutes and she's like,
1: I got to watch it in our movie. (laughs) (laughs) We've all all been there. We've all been there showing our parents a movie and you're hoping they're going to like it. And it's just like, please do something else. I know you really like this stuff, but not me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so thank you guys for joining us here today. Uh, So as we always kick off our podcast with just a movie you've seen recently. So Chris, I'll throw it over to you. You know, what's a good movie that you maybe saw in theaters or at home that that you've been kind of dying to talk about?
3: Yeah, I I mean, I wish I had seen it in theaters, but uh, I'm still getting over a bit of a cold. And uh, so I had a sick day last week and I watched uh, both uh, David Fincher's The Killer and Todd Haynes's May December back to back, finally, Very nice. and uh, I loved both of them. Ah, uh, Chris, killer, <laughs> come on!
1: <laughs> well, so May December, I've heard, it been hearing a lot of buzz about it. I haven't been able to check it out yet. What has kind of, what kind of stood out to you in the, about that movie? Because that's the one with Julianne Moore, right? Natalie Portman,
3: correct? Yeah, and it's uh, you know, clearly inspired by the scandal from the '90s with uh, Mary Kay Letourneau and the middle school boy she groomed and uh, and eventually married and had children with. And uh, the take that Haynes, you know, the guy behind uh, Far From Heaven, uh, was what if Natalie Portman's character was an actress that was spending the weekend, turns out to be more of an extended stay with this Mary Kay Letourneau type figure um, to try to uh, understand her because she's about to play her in a film adaptation of that story. So it's got that meta angle to it. Uh, some people are calling it camp and some people are calling it more like a soap opera melodrama. Uh, Todd Haynes is known for kind of playing in both sandboxes. And uh, it's, it's just a really fascinating and ultimately disturbing watch. I think it's actually more horror than it is comedy at the end of the day. And uh, I, I couldn't recommend it more.
0: Yeah, I watched it over the weekend, uh, too. And that movie just is very unsettling. The score in itself with like just the haunting piano that just keeps mm-hmm. on playing throughout, especially during just like, you know, big like moments dropped. Uh, I mean, Julianne Moore was great. I mean, there was an undercurrent of comedy a little bit to it, but yeah. it's still over, overall, especially with Charles Muffin, just like deep dive just how disturbing this all is. So, I yes. mean, I think it was a great, unsettling watch. So, not movie I recommend to watch with the parents either. So, <laughs> No, no, yeah, don't do that. Yeah. it feels like
1: one that you would be able to oh come on mom it's got it's got julianne moore it's got <laughs> natalie portman like like it'll be great for the family it'll be like dear alice and then it's it's just not that yeah. um dan what about you any recent movies that you i that? uh
2: yeah i recently i think it's because the killer came out and i watched that and i hated it so much oh, that really i despise uh i have strong opinions uh, but then, because of that, I was like, you know, I've never seen the girl with the dragon tattoo, so I watched that like two weeks ago and loved it. Thought it we was ever, phenomenal. I saw you guys in an episode. We covered yeah. that
1: yeah. a month ago. Uh,
2: yeah, um, I mean, he was he was in the he was in the zone back then, 2010, 2011. <laughs> to just oh man, so good, so dark and awful, but also great. Yeah, no, that movie in
0: particular, I mean, like the Rooney Mara performance is just so incredible. I just loved her in that movie.
2: Yeah, I feel like it changed my perception of her completely. Because I was like,
0: wow. I feel like she hasn't had too many good roles like since then, even though that was her breakout. But I mean, when you look at it, I mean, what? Was that movie good, Murdoch Toro? Um, The one at the circus forever? (laughs) Oh, Nightmare Alley? Yeah, Nightmare Nightmare Alley. Alley. She was... She was in that, but she wasn't the person that you remember, like when uh, but, Ru- Bradley Cooper put on like a tour
3: de force in that movie, though, and Kate Blanchett. Just, right. yeah. Rooney Mara is in a, another Todd Haynes movie, Carol, and I love that film. Oh, well.
2: so good. Yeah, yeah,
3: she's fantastic. Mm-hmm.
2: But yeah, seeing her in that, I was like, wow, yeah, she needs to do more amazing, awesome movies like this.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Prometheus, too, right, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Oh
1: God! Was she the one? Was it her, or her sister Kate Mara that was in the Fantastic Four? Ah, uh, that was it. Kate. It was yeah. yeah. Okay. It was. I was I, gonna. I do don't
2: like a... know if she's as talented as, as no. me. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she
1: was
2: good in Shooter. If you ever seen. She that. was good in, Yeah, she was good in
1: Shooter. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that's the perfect movie, TNT it's, movie that you put uh, on with your dad. Like I, I don't know. Yeah, how I, I I literally watched that movie but. with my dad.
2: <laughs> yeah. It it's fun. It's a fun yeah.
1: one. Yeah. It's a fun one. So, Tommy, what about you? I think we both have a similar movie you'd like to discuss here. Uh,
0: Well, I was going to discuss the one actually I saw in theaters. uh, Speaking of dad movies, uh, I finally got to see Die Hard for the first time on the big screen over the weekend. Um, AMC has been uh, doing screenings of it, I think all week. And I had to go. I saw 10 a.m. screen. as one of uh, three people in the movie theater, which was (sighs) ideal for me, even though they decided to sit in the same row as me. What the fuck? But um, overall, Die Hard, I mean, like, you know, There's so much to talk about, but just it just holds up so much well. I mean, Alan Rickman's the greatest fucking villain of all time. And it is a Christmas movie. I'll sell this debate right now. It takes place during uh, Christmas. And it's not like Kiss Kiss Big Bang, which is not a Christmas movie, which we'll get into later on. But but Die Hard, I think everything about it, just a great concoction of 80s action.
1: Yeah, Die Hard's a good one. Um, I saw a bunch of movies in the theater last week. I I saw three of them. I guess the my christmas movie that's also not a christmas movie but is most definitely a christmas movie i got to see it's a wonderful life they had a screening of it down here in the franklin theater in, in franklin tennessee and that's like my favorite christmas movie of all time Uh and getting to see it in the on a big screen was just kind of magical because it's always just the one i would watch with my mom every year got a lot more laughs in the theater with like the full audience than like i was anticipating because i never really took the movie as that funny which i thought was kind of interesting Um, there but then you know as soon as uh george takes clarence to harry bailey's grave uh i'm just crying through the last 10 minutes of the movie so one of the best ever uh, i love that one and then also i just want to touch about godzilla minus one i got to oh, see oh, nice. a screening of that too yeah fantastic <laughs> easily my favorite godzilla movie and Probably the one that's gotten the closest in spirit to the original Godzilla. I don't know if either of you have ever seen the original Godzilla. I
2: don't think that I have, but then this, the, the new one looks phenomenal. it's also like doing quite well box office wise, like breaking out, which is surprising.
1: Yeah. And it's fully in Japanese, but it it tells like a really good human story uh, while making Godzilla like vicious and terrifying and not, it's not campy at all. Um, and it's just really well acted and clearly on a small budget, but they make it work for it, and it's a great movie. Like it's I'm
0: crazy. Thinking. It's cra- I mean, I saw it too. It's crazy that the Godzilla franchise now has two uh, different like uh, uh, tones completely. Like, yeah, you know, the American movies. We just saw the trailer for Godzilla. What XCOM now at this point, and that looks like a movie. I'm probably gonna watch a few beers deep with <laughs> timmy or something else you know like and like it just can't be bullshit just like oh let let me just watch the gorilla punch the fucking giant lizard let me see that again <laughs> i didn't yeah. see that enough last time so give me another little bit of that and then this one godzilla mass one is just like a deep personal work uh work about J- J- uh japan's post-war trauma so it's just kind of funny the two opposite ends you see of the godzilla mm-hmm. franchise right here.
1: yeah and it, it, it is that it's like it's very funny because like I feel i've seen a couple of the godzillas like the old japanese ones and then like the american ones in like the mid 2000s like they tried to make it like kind of serious with the uh the guy who directed rogue one what's his name um oh gareth, gareth edwards gareth, gareth, edwards, edwards. The gareth yeah. edwards one but like they were ultimately like boring movies like the one with mm-hmm. brian cranston like that and then like the old, you know, after the original Godzilla, the rest of them are like campy movies with a bunch of monsters and dudes in rubber suits like punching each other but that original Godzilla is like, has like a really beautiful tone to it and just like the message of him being a metaphor for the atomic, the atomic bomb dropping in Japan. Um being there. And like, this is the only other Godzilla movie I've ever seen that can actually get to that kind of tonal level that it's, it does it differently. It's not like they're the same movie or anything, but just kind of bring that in- inference and tone to the movie. And just like the effects were fantastic. Godzilla looked great. Uh, highly recommend it to anybody who has not seen it. I also saw napoleon and i didn't care for it but that's (laughs) That's our (laughs) story we don't need to bog that down uh because we got to watch a very fun movie here in kiss kiss bang bang robert downey
0: jr what do you think i'm stupid val kilmer yes I think you're stupid.
1: Kiss Kiss Bang. Yeah, so the only TV trailer they had online cuts out the last word of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but (laughs) uh, I felt like that would do this suffice the job for us. So this is uh, Shane Black. This is his directorial debut. Uh, He had been a writer for a very long time, wrote a lot of classics, uh, such as Lethal Weapon that we were discussing before. Um, and I feel like as we were mentioning before the nice guys like as soon as this movie started it was like okay I'm seeing the Shane Black his interests in in storytelling and what he likes to tell a, a murder mystery in the state of California like he loves that so for you all you know kind Chris Dan what is your guy's relationship with Shane black in terms of his movies that he's written and that he's directed and how did this one maybe compare to those expectations going into it being one of his first you know movies that he directed as well as wrote
2: uh i mean for me i didn't really know that much about shane black until i saw the nice guys uh i just didn't have a sort of history with them or know them all that well obviously i saw lethal weapon and and really liked it and still like it uh but I, I have to say that, like, I saw movies that he wrote that I didn't love. Last Boy Scout, didn't love it. Uh, Long Kiss Goodnight, saw that when I was a teenager, I think. Uh, also, didn't like that. Uh, and then Iron Man 3, definitely didn't like all that much. Um, so, for me, it was sort of like uh, that's why I always was sort of uh, maybe avoiding this movie because it did always have this sort of cult cachet to it. Uh, like, when it came out, it was well received. Uh, And I heard really good things about it, but it just for every reason, I kept avoiding it. Um, But after Nice Guys, you know, the interest got uh, more and more. And when you guys were asking about a movie, I was like, yeah, we got to do this one because I just I got to sit down and watch the the thing on the whole way through. And yeah, it's it's definitely Shane Black through and through like this is this is him diving (laughs) into the deep end of his own psyche and, and style. And so it's a very interesting movie, but Yeah, it's, you know, uh, Nice Guys is one of my favorite movies. Um, It's a little strange, strange humor, which you can definitely pick up in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Um, But ultimately, yeah, he's he's a really fascinating guy. And uh, his history is so fascinating, too. He's a really kind of layered Hollywood guy who's had a long career so far.
1: Yeah, and... You know, I, I preferred The Nice Guys over Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, not to even take away from this movie in particular, but this felt like the prototype for The Nice Guys, if you will. Yeah. Like like you could see the DNA and the building blocks of what that movie would ultimately become, which I think is his best movie that he's directed and, and written together um, mm. there. Tommy, for, for you, you know, w- what did you kind of take away from this, you know, having val kilmer robert downey jr and this is one of robert downey jr's first like returned hollywood moments for him
0: yeah this is like a real comeback for downey jr i mean he crests this movie as being his calling card for iron man and one of the reasons why he got casted in that role um i mean like i think robert downey jr around the time was probably like just coming off like the whole drug addiction thing and be like hey i'm sober like don't fucking like take me seriously now i'm actually a good actor um i think that this movie was just a fun little romp um i mean you can definitely feel the budget i feel like in some places uh this definitely felt a little like mid-tier budget which we don't really see that much uh, very often anymore which is disappointing but you know this movie's more about the chemistry between danny jr and bell camera which is hilarious throughout instead of you know big action set pieces over and over and over again so i, I think it was a good mix
1: yeah, for, for me, like, I, my big takeaway was just kind of seeing that mature Val Kilmer and, you know, unfortunately with him, with his like, you know, he's always been just a terrific performer. I mean, Tombstone, I mean, my God, like talk about an iconic performance. Um and then this is kind of him you know in, in that 40s age and then you know th- unfortunately he's had throat cancer and lost his ability to speak and i don't know if either of you had seen the the amazon i think it was on amazon documentary hmm. that that he he and his son filmed out like talking like with him talking about his career and then like the issues with the throat cancer and stuff and it's like it's a shame that like we're only going to really get him again like the last time we'll probably get him is like Top gun maverick which was just yeah. like a nice little cameo appearance more than anything just because like if you can't talk it's it's kind of hard to uh yeah be a <laughs> that man in a movie unless like yeah. he gets drive two or something like that and doesn't have to talk you know but uh outside of that, it's uh, it's tough to see there. But I, I thought he was killer. Like he's he's very funny, uh, very like strong personality, um, just really fun throughout. Um, like I, I loved the actually one of the scenes I loved was when he like broke down to um Harry Harold, uh Robert Downey Jr.'s character. So basically the start of the plot is that turns into a murder mystery is Harry is a thief um he gets chased down an alley and runs into a hollywood audition for a detective part somehow lands the audition ends up at a party and has to be working with Val's, val kilmer's character uh gay perry uh to learn how to be a detective um even though it was just a rouge because they want colin farrell to get the part and his price was too high so if they bring in mm-hmm. some unknown actor and i'm like that feels very real. That feels like a very real inference from Shane Black right there, in terms of something that could like that he's seen happen a hundred times. Uh, yeah, you know, being I, at some I party, th- being like, "I'm getting screen test," and he's
0: like, "Sure, you are, kid." I feel like the first like half of this movie is a lot of like inside Hollywood type stuff, like um, be cool type of uh, type of stuff. Get shorty, like uh, those types of movies, um, and they really just lean into that. And I think that Danny Junior in the beginning just. Immediately him as the narrator. I think this is like one of the funniest narrator um in a movie I've seen in a while. Um, and I hate to, like, you know, connect it to the Marvel and stuff like that, but like you can see the influence in like Iron Man Three of Obviously Shane Black wrote that and Danny Jr.'s influence is just like e I think through I line saw. Right there.
1: I don't think I saw Iron Man Three. It's a good one.
0: Uh some nerds got uh fucking upset because of a twist uh midway through the movie, but it didn't really derail the movie for me personally.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I probably won't watch it at this point. Uh maybe <laughs> yeah, like out. five years ago I would have been more <laughs> interested, but at this point I'm I I know Chris has his uh Marvel shirt on, but I I'm like I'm a little cooked on the franchise <laughs> as a whole. Uh at this point. I was like Guardians of the Galaxy Three, and I was like, Yeah, oh, that's uh, I'm gonna call it quits there for me um yeah and you know so harry and uh gay perry i love that they just kind of refer to him as gay perry are doing this through line of he's learning to be a detective and then the body of um heart of harlan dexter's daughter appears right next to them at the lake they have to hide that and meanwhile uh robert downey jr bumps into harmony Played by Michelle Monaghan, who I thought was fantastic in this, um, who is her uh who was her his like high girl he had a crush on in high school who didn't feel it back to him, but they are very good friends, yada yada yada, and the mysterious suicide of her sister. Um, and I think it leads to a very fun narrative throughout that's very well paced. That's what I really liked mm. about this movie. Like it doesn't let you sit for one second. Like I felt like the pacing in this and the, the editing made a really solid through line and not some, like I felt like it could could have been very muddy and confusing. Cause there's just a lot of moving parts in it. But I felt like for the most part, it was pretty well explained everything that was going on. Yeah. The, the plot and stuff. Like I didn't feel too lost or too confused.
0: I mean, I think that's Shane black, the whole thing with him. um, He said in an interview that, like, you know, in a movie like this, you kind of need something like every 25 minutes to like, Real people back in, and I feel like a lot of the way he did that was the narration. Uh, just Dragon Junior breaking the wall, fourth wall right there, and be like, "All right, if this is a movie. We do this and this and this." Uh, Dan, how do you feel the narration held up in this movie?
2: Uh, I think it's fun and clever. You know, it's obviously like super postmodern, and it's very mm-hmm. sort of wink wink the entire way through. You know, I don't for some reason it, it just works here. I I tend to not like that style that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really. And some people would say this came on 2005. So it's kind of at that uh, the end point of like that postmodern filmmaking stuff you would have seen in the 90s, with Tarantino and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it works here. It's just kind of fun. It it sets the vibe of the film as like it's laid back. Let's have a good time. Let's not take anything too seriously. And like that vibe stays on throughout the entire thing. And it really, you know, the interplay between uh, Val Killer and, and Robert Downey Jr., it's just it's phenomenal. You know it's just such good chemistry and yeah i think you know the the whole vibe of it is just uh, it's a fun kind of lark about noir film and i don't know it just clicks and it clicks really well
0: yeah i, I mean I, you, sorry, oh, go ahead, you, you can easily see this movie like you know any buddy cop movie i mean the chemistry is what really drives it down And like yeah. and thankfully we have two cast members that are great. I mean, Downey Jr. can talk fucking like a million miles a minute and works for Shane Black within that script because he can just go fast, 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 and it really works. You can really see him just getting under the fucking skin of Bell Camera constantly. I mean, you know, we've seen like terrible buddy cop movies. I mean, like was that one of Harrison Ford and Josh uh, Harnett? Hollywood, Hollywood, hom-
2: Hollywood Homicide.
0: Uh,
1: Hollywood Homicide. One of I'm- Harrison Ford. The thing about Harrison Ford, he's so, he's like arguably the most iconic movie star of the past 50 years, but like, if he's in a movie that he doesn't give a shit about, it shows in his performance. And I feel like it's um, like epitomized in Hollywood Homicide.
0: But funny enough, they actually, Warner Brothers, uh, when they decided to make this movie, they um, said to Joel Silver, um, who ended up producing this, he said, we'll give you a larger budget if Harrison Ford was to play the detective, the Val Kilmer role. And thank God Harrison Ford is not in this movie because I feel like it would have been another version of him just not giving a fuck
1: whatsoever. What's <laughs> better? maybe maybe not i i i feel like harrison ford is always kind of with it um and i i was mentioning to you guys before i listened to like the conan o'brien interview with uh with harrison ford like recently like he's still pretty sharp i think it just depends on the director and maybe the respect he would have for the director um and just given shane black's like writing history and like having something like lethal weapon under his belt Like I could see him coming in from like a place of respect with that um, in terms of that. But I honestly can't picture anybody but Val Kilmer playing gay Perry. And I don't know how well 2005 Harrison Ford would have taken playing a character called gay Perry.
3: Yeah. Maybe maybe not.
0: Um, I mean, I think this is a good time to deep dive in like Shane Black's career up until this point. Um, so, like we said, like he wrote *Lethal Weapon*. He wrote *The Monster Squad*, two amazing movies. He uh, ended up writing like *Lethal Weapon* two, *Last Boy Scout*, *Last Action Hero*, and then he did *Long Kiss Goodnight*, a movie of Gina Davis and Samuel Jackson. That I never seen it, but the reception at the time was kind of muddled. It didn't really do too great at the yeah. box office. And this was in 1996, and pretty much Shane Black decided, like, all right, I just want to be a nominus for a little bit, take a little bit of break. He tries, like, I need to do something other outside the action genre. So he originally wrote this movie as like a, a comedy or like romantic comedy. And he's like, fuck it. I just need to have some action elements in this and kiss, kiss, bang, bang. And by the time he started trying to sell the skip for kiss, kiss, bang, bang, which is probably like 2003, 2002, he was out of the game for so long in terms of Hollywood years, four or five years. I might as well be fucking 15, 20 years in Hollywood. <laughs> you might but, as well be dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like he'd go into these like meeting rooms where people would just like not like give a shit about the script whatsoever. Be very clear they weren't reading the script and no one was really caring. People were passing. People didn't like the fact that the lead character was gay. This is 2005, 2003, you know, (laughs) not as progressive as now. Um, So it wasn't until Joe Silver pretty much, he hit him up and was just like, hey, Joe Silver, you've done a lot of my movies. Would you want me to, uh, would you want to do this? And that's how he got the fur line. Because at the time, I mean, like, it's just insane how much juice this guy had. And how quickly that just goes away in Hollywood. <laughs> but you know, kiss, kiss, bang, bang, ended up just being just like a through line. I mean, Warner Brothers, they gave him 15 million and for Warner Brothers, that was nothing. And thank God Shane Black got to direct it. Cause I think that he was at a point in his career where he was tired of seeing his scripts being like mishandled by fucking Renny Harlins of the world. And like <laughs> all these shitty <laughs> B tier directors. <laughs> so he's like, all right, I think I can take the reins on this one. And I think, what do you think Dan about his directing style? Um, for director
2: I mean, yeah, he, I think the directing here, it, it doesn't, I don't know. I don't notice it that much is what it comes down to. It seems pretty straightforward to me. Obviously he was super seasoned, right? Um, and like, I, I, I came across this New York magazine article that was written um, right before the last boy scout came out and it was insane how hot he was. Because there's a story in here about like he writes the uh, last Boy Scout script and essentially presents it to whoever like Warner Brothers. And then within like, what, two days, it's sold for one point seven five million with like Mm -hmm. multiple studios, like for a script, which Mm is just doesn't exist anymore. And so like he's obviously super seasoned in that sense and like knows his way around uh, movies and, and script writing. I thought the direction was 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 decent I, it just nothing really stood out to me it's like oh this is really fascinating the cinematography was i think you know inspired by 16 noir and you can kind of tell that but i don't know i did you guys see it as hey this is shane Black's style or did it seem a little bit more raw than that
0: I, it, I, it felt kind of raw in, in some ways it felt like it was kind of like shot like a tv show um i mean you know he did kiss kiss bang bang and it wasn't until eight years later that he did iron man 3 that was his next movie he directed and obviously that's a whole different level up going to the whole Marvel machine but even then he was able to retain his personality in a way a lot of Marvel directors have not like whatsoever other than maybe Sam Raimi um, but here I think it's more so almost like the Kevin Smith style of just like point and shoot and just fucking say the lines <laughs> I,
1: I think I think where it comes through is I think this movie has like a manic energy to it almost where yeah. the movie mm-hmm. just kind of like it, it, it's it's jittery, it, it, it kind of takes you all over the place, you're kind of on the edge of your seat, but the characters are kind of like Harry's dumb, like he's a dumb guy, like right, like yeah. it's, it's not, mm-hmm. like these people aren't super clever except for maybe Gay Perry but nobody else is super like sharp or sharp-witted but I think he manages to like keep the manic energy there and not lose the audience from what's going on in the movie and I think like in the hands of a lesser filmmaker or a lesser director that might be the case yeah
2: Mm. no Um, i mean like that's yeah it's it's a good point because it does visually
1: i don't think like there's anything like the the clear cuts being like this is a shane black film but in terms of just like keeping it at bay in a script like this like i could see why he was just like i want to shoot this one like this one's for me to shoot because it's just like it's his words, it's, you know, he based it off of bodies are where you find them, uh, assuming it's a short story, and and like, didn't want some hack to make it like a bad movie, that would have, just because it would have gotten a bigger budget, and maybe a bigger star, you know, Mm. in the the film. Uh, So that's where I think that comes in, and I kind of even relay that to something like The Nice Guys, where it's like it does have a little bit of much less so in the nice guys in this one but does have that like manic energy and i think that's like kind of what i distinguish a, the shane black yeah. films i've seen that's where i make my distinction of it is like is kind of that energy and keeping it at bay and keeping it comprehensible for the audience mm. yeah. There,
0: there is one point where like the mystery to this movie didn't really hook me uh to be honest um <laughs> Yeah, I felt this movie was more about vibes than it was about any central mystery or anything like mm-hmm. you know, lethal weapons, a movie that has like such a fucking amazing antagonist in Gary Busey, and um, you know, you know, leave, leave weapon two with the diplomatic immunity guy. Um, but this movie I think is more so just about oh, it's almost like a hangout movie in a weird way, uh, and kind of just interplaying between the two characters. and you know, the scenes that like you know, uh, I take away the most of are just the ones of just like them just fucking around with each other calling each other fucking idiots or just like what's the definition of an idiot it's like you <laughs> you he's
1: like what was no you need to go look it up so you can understand what it is idiot and then like it just like flips that little co- conventional line on the head or when they're doing the, the uh the hostage not the hostage scene where they're interrogating the guy behind the um behind the cars uh, at the uh, nursing home facility and then Robert Downey Jr., he's like going on his whole spiel and he like spins the gun uh, with the Russian roulette style, pulls the trigger and kills the guy. And then him and Val Kilmer are going back and forth, which is hilarious. He's like, it was only an 8% chance. He's like, 8%? Stop doing math. Stop doing math. Like, I, I love that. I love that little scene there too. Like, it, like I feel like that's like the heart of this movie that kind of carries it forward more so than the mystery of the movie
2: yeah it's hmm. so convoluted it's like a, it's like a traditional noir where it's like you have no idea who, who's who's like screwing over who and why and you're right it doesn't really matter at the end of the day because it is it, it is a hangout vibe movie it's just Downey jr and val Kilmer going back and forth kind of that it, that is Shane black style the ping pong um dialogue back and forth back and forth fast everybody's super clever um. Yeah, it just it, it it definitely is a vibe film, and I think that that's the one thing that seeing it for the first time, uh, you know, had having seen clips before, you kind of pick up on that. But when you see the whole thing, uh, all the way through, it's like, oh yeah, I get this. It it is definitely the proto nice guys. Uh, mm-hmm. it just has the same feeling to it.
0: The nice guys feels like in a way of him leveling up, uh, more as a director. I mean, that has more. I mean, granted, that has a bigger budget but it also just has a little more of a style in terms of just outside the script. Um, Whereas the script is the driving engine of this movie and the chemistry Um, rather than directing. Directing is like, oh, it's okay.
1: (laughs) So let me ask you this, because I like to ask this, any murder mystery movie, and obviously we've kind of emphasized it didn't really hook you. Were you guys able to deduce who the killer or the culprit might be behind the crime? Behind uh, the murder of the daughter, like, did you guys get that sense? Like, once they had that that broadcast on the TV, that it was the daughter of the the guy with the party. Um, I'm so bad at remembering that characters' names. So, no, uh, I, I, definitely was, I definitely. I I mean, No
2: yeah. idea.
1: It's <laughs> zero clue. Really? I mean, it. It's bad that
0: like I just finished this movie like like what two hours ago maybe. I don't remember like how they found out that the guy was the uh, the killer. <laughs> yeah it's
1: it, it's not that wasn't really what stuck a, it's definitely not what sticks there i like to to ask it because it, it's one of those where it's like corbin Burnson plays the killer but like the only emphasis on it is like a pause frame narration being like oh i hate when these scenes are in our movies here where we're pausing on this you know kind of obscure character obviously it's going to come back just like the chef in the hunt for red october right and then it like moves forward but that's all the character we see of of harlan dexter until like the last 20 minutes of the movie like we don't see him again at all Mm -hmm. and it's like it kind of takes away from that like murder mystery angle of things you know where it's like that's the plot but it's not the point
0: um exactly like his character didn't even like stick i mean like i barely remember like the end of the movie other than just like it happening and Weber is fine, and I remember the end credits part was pretty funny. But I mean, I think one person that did stick from this movie, and um, other than Robert Junior, Johnny Junior, and Val Kilmer, we don't really touch upon her. Michelle Mon- uh, Monahan was yes, uh, Harmony. Yeah, yeah, she was great in this movie. She was hilarious. She was charming, witty. I mean, like she was really like a good like romantic foil between her and Downey Junior. I think that uh, you can see why Shane Black thought this movie first is just like a from rom-com because you could just see the rom-com of just them just going back and forth over and over and over again like i'd love to see you more of that in that movie almost
1: <laughs> yeah I, I like the fake out where they have their first introduction and then it wakes he wakes up in the bed um, mm. uh, and then it's like the the friend that he that he goes home with instead of instead of her and then it has that nice resolution when he's like yeah, I quit on things halfway through. It's like, yeah, like when I was hitting on you, and then I just took your easier friend home with me. Like like he just straight yeah. up says that. Yeah. Like, Dan,
2: yeah. uh so Dan, how'd you feel about Michelle Monahan in this movie? Oh, she's phenomenal. And like here's the thing about her is that you see her around, right? She's been mm-hmm. on a lot of stuff over the last, you know, 15, 15 years or so. And um You know, it's one of those things where you see an actor who you've seen other things where she's not necessarily as good or was not given a good part. And then when you see her here in a part that's kind of feels like it's almost written for her, like Mm -hmm. the right style, the right cadence, and the language, and she plays it pretty perfectly. I'm like, man, she needs to be in more stuff like this. Like what? What happened? You know,
0: It, it sucks. I mean, I'm looking right now at like her previous roles and like, you know, she pretty much just became like cast off she was like you know tom cruise's uh wife in the mission impossible three and four and five which i barely remember her in those movies outside of three really i mean it's kind of just i think this role of just being like you know the wife and there's a reason why she was not in the most recent mission impossible because like uh, I don't think people care if we take this character out. So yeah, I mean, she apparently was in the first uh, season of True Detective, which I haven't seen, but that's oh weird. yeah, she's like,
2: great in that. She's great. She, she plays Woody Harrelson's um, wife. Wife, yeah, she's really good. But yeah, it, there's something about this character though. Where it's like it's playful, kind of a little bit of femme fatale going on, it, where it it's just playful right and in the flirty,
1: planet. and it yeah. kind of like like you see the attraction that that Harry has to. To harmony like you you get it almost instantly uh
0: um, yeah, you wish that she had like a run of just so many other rom-coms like after this i mean she was in made of honor she was like the lead in that with uh patrick dempsey but i mean i don't think that's a movie that anyone really remembers yeah. and it has a 16 percent run tomatoes so i think there's a reason for that <laughs> um but her chemistry of just downey jr just bounces off the screen constantly i mean like between i think that that's what makes this movie work is just the relationships and the chemistry between the three leads. And she could easily just be a thankless role. Just no one's movie cares about her. Instead. I think she probably pops off the page more than Val Kimmer does for me personally.
2: Yeah. I mean, she, it's her and Donnie jr. Have such a great uh, relationship in this. And yeah, I think, you know, they all three are kind of breakouts though. You know, uh, she's kind of, this is kind of early in her career, obviously, but like you you can't like downplay how Val Kilmer is like re, I don't know, like reimagined in this movie Yeah, and like Donnie Jr. too. It's a comeback type thing, but yeah, there's like, there's so much of his Tony Stark, you know, um, confidence and swagger in this character and kind of like uh, eccentricity that it's just, yeah, it's a really showcase for all three of them.
1: Yeah, you can see how he went from this right to Iron Man and Tony Stark like three years later. And you can see the similarities in the performance. Um, I think with the discussion on Michelle Monaghan, this is a good transition into who is our star of the movie? My I am a star.
2: I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star.
1: So for everybody, who is everybody's favorite performance? Who is the star of the show? And as we kind of discussed, it's a three headed monster. And I think all three parts have an even say in this. So Dan, for you, like, who's your favorite performance in Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang?
2: I I do like them all, but I have to say Val Kilmer just because this reminds me of uh, his zaniness that he had in like Real Genius, which is one of my favorite movies. And I don't know, he just the way that he delivers some of these lines, uh, like the math line, like who taught you math or whatever it was, or I'm not a mechanic. It's like these real throwaway little little rips. rips. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And he just is so deadpan and his jerkiness in general. Just I don't know. It works so well for me. And I think it's, you know, Donnie Jr. is doing amazing. It's good, but it's a little bit easier to be the off the wall kind of loose cannon. It's harder to play the straight man. You know in terms of just like the comedic role and he just i don't know he he nails it for me so i'm going to say val kilmer
1: i i'm going to have to agree with you here i i really love val kilmer in this um just that straight man persona and like for me my favorite val kilmer performance is, is tombstone as doc holiday where he's not the straight man in that yeah And like i kind of associate him with that like obviously there's ice man but i think that's like it's a different kind of movie you know versus like a tombstone versus this and just it's like a re as you said it's like a reimagining of like who val kilmer can be and just showing like the dot like how dynamic of a performer he can be and like the different ranges he can have like i've never seen real geniuses before but now that you say that's like a similar performance and kind of getting into the zaniness of um of Val Kilmer as an actor makes me want to like go check it out and watch it this oh it's, week.
2: it's a classic absolute classic
0: yeah I haven't seen that one either and I haven't seen Tombstone so we'll have to cover that at a certain point
1: you haven't seen pod. Tombstone
0: we tried watching it once in our friend's basement and it was 10 o'clock at night I was pretty drunk at that point and I passed out so um put in the I haven't seen column <laughs> <laughs> uh this is an audio podcast but Timmy's just giving me a dirty glare. <laughs> Very Dirty
1: <laughs> Glare. Very Dirty Glare. I mean, if it um, gives me an excuse to watch Tombstone, I mean, I'll take yeah. it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, so I'm going to zag here. I'm going to go with Robert Downey Jr. I mean, I think that he gave just a very, very entertaining performance right here. I mean, he made narration, which in a movie can very often just be boring or just like, oh, fuck it. Why do we have this? Into a very like witty and hilarious thing. And his whole entire chemistry of all three of the leads right here him and Val Kilmer and Michelle Monahan just was incredible and like we've been saying throughout you could see why he got Iron Man off this because it's very kind of similar role but it's really just a Star case role in a breakout role for him and showing hey I can be sober and lead a movie and we're all grateful for it that he ended up uh you know going down that path
1: <laughs> yeah we got it we got Iron Man because of it and you know the world the, the movie industry changed because of that casting decision because it's another <laughs> one of those roles where you could you couldn't really see anybody else being it being that actor specifically.
2: Ah are you ready, comedy partner? Waka waka.
1: All right, so would kiss kiss bang bang. This R-rated, raunchy movie where they had to apologize to everybody in the Midwest for their use of the word fuck at the end of the movie work as a Muppet adaptation. Now, Dan, are you a big Muppets fan? uh, Uh,
2: I would say like mild Muppets fan. Definitely growing up, I was super into it. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't think I've seen that. When was the last movie that came out? The Muppets movie. So the Jason Uh, Segel one?
1: It was there's one after that. But yeah, one of Tina Fey.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That was good. Uh, so let's have a moderate fan. We'll, we'll call it that. Moderate fan. Okay. Moderate. Um, will this, uh, what's the question? Will this work as an adaptation?
1: Yeah. Cause you know, how the yeah. Mupp- like you have a Muppets Christmas Carol, like they do these adaptations of movies. So we like to ask that question and we kind of want Disney to hire us uh, to bring the Muppets back. <laughs> Essentially. Uh, We're a think tank it. for them.
2: <laughs> I love it. Uh, I think it could work. Definitely. Um, did you guys see that what was that Muppet movie that was kind of like a noir rated R Muppet movie it came out like four or five years oh, ago we've we like referenced six years this ago. before it's um, uh, Chris um, what's her name Melissa McCarthy's the, the, in it
1: oh yeah the
0: Happy the, Time, Time Murder
1: that, well, yeah, that was Happy more Time of was. A, like the, the Avenue Q puppets and not the <laughs> yeah, Muppets
2: yeah that's true sure, true, true, true well
0: it, it was it was the Henson Company um, but apparently that movie's trash I haven't
1: seen it it's not know. good
2: it's terrible yeah. uh, so I think you could do it but it, it's got to be handled well yeah, delicate hand
1: yeah, um it would, it would need a delicate hand I don't know if I necessarily see this one specifically I think it's like I always at the Muppets need slapstick in it and this isn't really that slapsticky if unless you count like Harry getting his finger cut off as like slapstick yeah. humor but uh I don't necessarily in this movie uh so I, I wouldn't make this recommendation to the Walt Disney Company yeah I got your back um, I know it's been I, a I'd tough say
0: year. I'd say overall, this would be not a good Muppet adaptation, but it's a disappointment that Happy Time Murders end up sucking. Cause I remember like the concept art for that made it seem like it was gonna be like a Who Framed Roger Rabbit type thing, where that movie works amazingly well as a noir. And we've seen that work before. So if they could just crack that code and instead just like erase all our memories that Happy Time Murders came out and just make Shane Black write it instead, then it could be good. <laughs> so shane black red muppet movie is what i'm pitching right here i'd
1: like <laughs> shane black and joe shane black to write and joe dante to direct there muppets you go movie. that's but good I feel like that's a combo made in heaven for like the most like satirical niche, niche <laughs> muppets movie for nerds like us uh exclusively but it would be good it'd be good disney we uh, listen it's been a tough year maybe maybe it's time to dive down and you know us in. don't
0: we'll, don't cancel them up at shows that you uh, fucking have in Disney Plus.
1: <laughs> don't please don't remove them uh for to save to save 10 million dollars in taxes. Okay. Um <laughs> so review time. Dan, we do it out of 5. So okay. give us your score out of 5 and a little bit about what you loved or didn't love about the movie.
2: Um okay. So uh, a couple of sort of nuances here. I'm going to give it a 3 out of 5. Um I like the hmm. movie a lot. Um, mm. I like nice guys more Uh, I felt like the you have to see it just for the interplay between the three characters like it's it's really really good I think where it fell flat for me is a couple of things one I think the story at the end of the day kind of falls off at the end I was mm. really really engaged the first like 45 minutes but as it kind of went on to the last last 40 minutes or so I was like uh, like I'm not really connecting with the story it does kind of seem just sort of a showcase for the the three actors to kind of have a lot of fun, which is cool, but kind mm. of fell off a bit for me there Then I have to say this because, um, you know, I didn't I sort of knew this when I when I saw the clips back in the day and, and Shane Black is, you know, has, a, I would say, a raw, edgy style to his humor. I would say a lot of the humor has not aged super well. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's like a little kind of like. There's a couple of things I'm like, oh, you can't say that. There's a lot of stuff you really <laughs> couldn't say these days, uh, which is neither here nor there. I'm not. That's not like an open. Well, you, you could of... you
1: could say them. You You, just, well, you just wouldn't get a film produced with them. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> there's yeah. A, there's two different things.
2: You, you'd only be uh, making a film for the Daily Wire at that point. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So I think that like that those things kind of like um, lessened it for me. Uh, so maybe like I'm, I'm gonna revise. I'm gonna say 3.5 out of five if I can do that. Um, yeah. yeah. Because there's like a little bit that like I want to hold back on. Nice guys to me is like a 4.99 out of five. Yeah.
1: You only get <laughs> one. Re- you only get one revision. Uh, <laughs> on your spot, but, uh, one mulligan. <laughs> well, you get one mulligan and that's it. Uh, Tommy, what about you?
0: Uh, so I'm going to echo Dan's sentiments. I think 3.5, uh, is the movie right here for me. I think that the chemistry bounces off the screen for all three actors. Um, and like you said, it's a very like star case show, uh, especially for Downing Jr. Um, but I think everything about the central mystery, I think the whole entire plot didn't really grasp me. I mean, I watched this movie in parts, to be honest. I watched the first half, like the first hour uh, last night second hour this night just because of how my schedule worked out timmy is again giving me a dirty stare um Uh but um yeah i mean like literally the first half was what was amazing about this movie i would have just loved to see the non-action elements of this over and over again and once say shane black was like oh i guess i have to write a shane black movie um that's where it kind of started to fall apart a little bit for me um so still fun overall enjoyable hangout movie just yeah.
1: could have been direction. <laughs> I'm gonna go three out of five. Like definitely would rec it would be something I would recommend watching. Um, I think the 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 chemistry, the dialogue, the non-action scenes aren't there, but then you kind of think Shane Black, you think action, and it it's really non-standoffish. And then like the plot and the mystery and the intrigue just like doesn't really hook you and like i know i asked that question i like asking that question but it was like i'm looking at the page on wikipedia so i can answer all these questions that yeah. nobody else could <laughs> and it kind of proved my point <laughs> yeah. there um and that it felt like if maybe the action was better shot or if the the mystery itself was more intriguing like this movie would be on another level but i feel like he ultimately hit that high point when he made the nice guys and this is just kind yeah. of like the first try at that uh there so three for me 3.5 out of five for tommy 3.5 out of five for dan uh so i know we lost chris we had some technical, he had some technical issues had to, to drop off but we thank him and both you and him for your time to being on here uh, you know, film trace. I know you guys are available. Apple, Spotify, kind of wherever you get your podcast. Are you YouTube? Or are you still audio? Oh only? yeah,
2: we do. We do YouTube. We do audio only on YouTube. It's actually our biggest audience. So it's uh check nice. us out on YouTube. Yeah,
1: we might have to start putting these up on on YouTube then as well. Um, so yeah, thanks for popping up. Anything you want to plug promote before? Uh, you know, for people to yeah, sure. find on social.
2: Thanks for having us on, and uh, yeah, so we're in our future war cycle, uh, eight episodes. It's coming to a close here in the next few weeks. Uh, the next episode we're going to post uh, is the Omega Man and Zardoz. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Zardoz from nineteen seventy four. Sean Connery is in like a speedo. Oh, yeah, that's a yeah. speedo thing, the red yeah, suit thing. Yeah, that's <laughs> I've, seen the tra- I've seen
1: the trailer
0: for it. I- I've yeah. seen. I've seen the image. It <laughs> is
2: amazingly crazy uh <laughs> so we get a chance to watch that too but yeah we'll we'll be posting that here in the next couple of weeks but uh yeah appreciate you guys having us on
1: looking forward to that episode tommy want to let the people know where we can uh where they can find us
0: yeah so thank you guys so much for listening you can follow us on um apple spotify wherever you get your podcasts and we're on social media at scenic pod that's twitter instagram um tiktok occasionally threads, which I'm still going to plug uh, here and here. Timmy, again, is giving me a dirty stare like he does every week when I mention <laughs> threads. Um, James Gunn's on threads, but no one else is, apparently. <laughs> um, and yeah, leave us a five-star review. Leave Film Trace a five-star review also. Um yeah. helps us out. helps grow the show. So thank you guys so much for listening. Next week, we're going to be covering Bad Santa, a movie I've never seen. I've seen parts of it on Comedy Central, but not all the way through.
1: <laughs> I feel like everybody's seen parts of it, but I've never seen it through uh it's definitely in the spirit of christmas a movie called bad santa with billy bob thornton so very excited for it um and dan thank you so much for hopping on same to chris as well uh appreciate you hopping on this is fun we'll have to do it again awesome thanks guys all right thanks thanks everybody for listening we will see you again next week